Well, good morning. Welcome to the Civic Center. We are, uh, we are excited to be here. We're excited to be continuing in a series. So I have a really important question for you. What's your favorite dessert? Just think about it for a second. Like if I had to pick my favorite dessert, it would be, figure out what that would be. Some of you are like, oh, I just love them all. Okay. Okay. Non-committed ones. Pick one. All right. Okay, so you got it? So now that you got your favorite dessert, now think of this. So what is one of the top ingredients in that favorite dessert? Like if this wasn't here, oh my word, it wouldn't be the same. Okay, and usually there's a couple of them, but what's like one of your top ones? All right, you got it? It's okay. You can cry it out if you're in euphoric moment, right? Okay, so for me, seven layer cookies. Jonna makes them every year Thanksgiving, whether we need them or not. And uh, we take those to our family gathering. Seven layer cookies. It's seven layers of unbelievable goodness. (laughs) One upon another of sweetness. And at the end of it, you then take sweetened condensed milk, which is really just raw sugar, I think. I don't know what it is. And you just pour that over the top and you let that sit there glistening for a gorgeous moment before you put it in the oven. And then everything just congeals together into this unbelievable explosion-based sugar. Can you tell it kind of gets me up? And so we take you take a bite of this thing, and I'm telling you, you just start salivating. And so one of the top ingredients, I mean, honestly, there are awesome layers all over in there, but I'm telling you, if you forget the sweetened condensed milk, it just doesn't congeal together the same way. It just doesn't have the same sugar rush, sugar high thing that, right, like it needs to be in there. And well, as we thought, talk about authentic community, I'm telling you, John's doing some of that as he's looking at authentic community. And he's literally saying this, there's a few things in there that if you miss them, you're just not going to have the same experience and you're just not going to be as excited about it. And one of those pieces he keeps coming back to is you must abide with him. You must love the Lord your God with all you've got. Like that's one of those, pour it over the top, make sure it's center stage. If that's not first, we're not gathering what we should. And the second one right after it is, and it better spill to those around you. We better be loving others as well. It's loving God and loving others. It's the sweetest tasting thing you'll ever have. That's what John's saying. Authentic community, we better work at those two pieces big time. So today, we're going to be going back. John's like, by the way, in case you haven't heard me, you need to love one another. He's going back to it again, and we're going to hit on how to care for each other. There's a let's care for each other battle cry in this, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. And we're going to be answering the question, how can I practically care for those around me? Where it first starts with God and then spills over. How do I practically care? Do you like how we transition from dessert to first John? I don't know. Sometimes you got to slam things together, right? It's a great way for us to remember that we often get excited about food. How excited do we get about our authentic community here in the church? First point in how we do this practical care, love one another as an outpouring of your time with Him. Love one another as an outpouring of your time with Him. Notice the command form of this is love one another. 
We could just stop there and then all of a sudden we end up trying to muscle it. Like the next thing we're doing is we're running around and we're trying to be loving and our actions, our external actions are somewhat loving. But in the end, we're actually not getting the divine source of love as an outpouring of your time with him. Make sure you are abiding with him first and foremost, okay? So let's just move through this passage here, starting in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. These are the words, this is the note, this was the challenge that Jesus Christ had from the very beginning of his movement with you. In fact, John 13, 34, Christ says, this is the new commandment, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, so you love one another. The message is to make sure it spills outward. It's not just something that we come in here and we become the private Christian consumer. It affects me and impacts me. I've met God mightily. What a great worship service. I learned a nice little challenge piece from the word. I'm going home. I've personally been moved. That's nice, but man, is it bigger than that. When we start talking about authentic community, it's not we had a thousand people all stirred up individually and they all went home individually. There is a bonding together and a caring for each other that needs to start taking place in it. The message from the beginning was just do what Jesus is doing, man. Love one another. Well, I love how John thinks. He's like, I'm not sure they got it, so let's make sure we give the most heinous, obvious not possible. Starts in verse 12. We should not be like Cain, uh, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. So everybody, newsflash, nobody murder anybody today. Right? Like, aren't we supposed to say, duh? Like, how would we not know that? Why was that even worth writing? You seriously think you had to tell me not to kill someone today? That was the input I needed today. By the way, when you go home, don't take a life. Really? So why was he putting it in here? Well, check the phrase right after it here. It says, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brother's righteous. Note this. Murder, in the course, in this uh, source of Cain here, was stirred by envy. It was stirred by looking at the one next to you and saying, how come they have that and I don't? How come God's treating them this way and he's not treating me like that? And maybe something does need to change in my life, but something has to change in their life too. And what's going on with that? Can you hear it? And so, yeah, we may not go home and take a life, but how often do we go home and start taking inventory and getting envious and beginning to get a little list of, I wish they would hurt a little more, or I wish I would hurt a little less, but God, I'm thinking you need a little help in this one. It's just not fair, right? So we have to be careful of, I think that's what John's real challenge here is, watch the heart. Watch that we're really wanting the best for each other. Watch that we're really moving for the best in each other. Lord, may I truly look at life through your eyes and see what you're doing. May I not have that envious eye that leads to hatred and murder. 
He says, in fact, don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. You know, you can just see these guys as they're living life. And they're being good and they're working hard and they're really, the church is starting to stir up and people are growing and they're caring for one another and they're going and helping somebody move out of one house and move into another or they're, you know, getting some food to them and, and all of a sudden the world starts speaking ill of them. And they're like, what's with that? We're completely kind and loving around here and all of a sudden we're getting dissed on over here. What's with that? And they're literally starting to get a little bit of murmuring and complaining. Like, I don't understand why the world isn't just all hopped up with this Jesus thing. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, we're caring and we're loving and we're kind and God's given his life for us. And and John's like, no. Get a clue. Don't get so fixated on the fact that, yes, you've grasped love, so why not the world? The world, well, they haven't tasted of who Jesus Christ is and how awesome He is in the sweetness of a relationship with him. None of this makes sense because when you don't have him, then your God is yourself. And none of this totally makes sense. Saying, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. The world, this is what he's saying, the world lives in death. We've passed from death over into life we've made this transition how do we know because the love is starting starting to be a natural outpouring because that's what i'm starting to notice when i'm complimenting somebody that's what i'm complimenting them for when i'm seeing good things come down i'm like hey man nice job caring for oh man that was awesome when you did you see how he encouraged that person did you see how she did the When you start getting an excitement about care and about love and about gratitude and about thanks, you're starting to grasp the kingdom. Well, I know some people that are of the world that are pretty thankful people. I know I'm living over here and they seem to live that way. I don't get that. And we've talked about this before and I don't want to spend much time on it, but God makes us, says in the image of God, we've been created, right? So I've told this before, but seminary prof, he wrote the word image of God on the board. Then he took his hand and he said, this is sin and just smeared through it. And so there's pieces of the word image of God that you can read, but there's a lot that's wiped out and it's gravely impacted overall as a word, but you can see parts of it. That's where we are. So as we look at it, we're like, well, I I have this moment in time. and, And he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you passed from death into life. I'm talking about that word is starting to be filled back in. I'm talking about it's becoming so natural for you to be so fired up about what's going on in other people's lives and wanting good for them. May you just be so lovingly passionate. And he says the word, you can know, K-N-O-W, that you have passed from death into life when that's what's going on. And excitement about the confidence we can have in him. We're going to talk about that with John in just a second in the second point. So I'm not going to spend much time there, but he loves the word K-N-O-W, no. He loves the word confidence and reassurance. It comes up a lot with John. He says here, we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. When we're all about take, when we're all about self, when we're all about doing what's good for me and I'm not even considering what's good for the person next to me, I'm living over here. 
this is where I'm hanging out, in the land of death. And as I hang here and grow here, and it just seems so obvious to keep caring for myself, we're walking right past the very thing that brings freedom and life and celebration. He says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Wow. John's getting pretty rough. He's saying, let me just tell you this. I am now equating what's inside the heart to what happens on the hands. I want you to understand it's just as bad to have the ill inside as it is to have the ill on the hands. Equal. Not where we want to be. Let's set that aside. Whoever hates his brother, murderer. In fact, he doesn't have eternal life abiding in him. He's missing the privilege of knowing Jesus Christ. His request here, as he goes through the negatives, is to move us to the positive. May we head for a love that is absolutely centered on abiding in Jesus Christ. And as we know the one who is love, and as we see him just pour out on us from his own giftedness, from his own awesomeness, he says, let me share with you a little of what I've got. And it absolutely rocks our world as we can say, Lord, please forgive me for going the wrong direction, for being involved in what I shouldn't be involved in. Please use your shed blood to replace what I owe. Please, Lord, forgive me as I turn and head the opposite direction now with you as my king. We get to say those words as our heart is in alignment with him. The king of the universe takes up residence within and begins to move and shape in us like never before. The outpouring of you abiding with him is all this love. So do me a favor. Don't go home this afternoon and say, my goal is going to simply be to try to do something loving for somebody. That's my goal. I'm just going to try to look like it on the outside. That's what I'm going to do is go home and do that. No, don't do that. Say, my goal is to go meet the one who is love. And as I meet him, and as I spend time with him, and as he changes me, man, it's pretty obvious I'm just going to be loving those around me. I'm telling you, it's the natural outpouring of being with him. We can know that we've passed from death unto life when we love the brothers. So that's our call, love one another, is an outpouring of your time. Well, how do I do that? What's a practical way to even consider caring for other people? So I thought, why not put a nice little practical on this? Um, this isn't a biblical piece here, okay? But this is just, uh, it's a nice little handy tool. The five love languages. Have you ever heard of this? Okay. So some of us are like, oh yeah, every marriage class I've ever been to, right? Okay, the five love languages. It's more than about marriage. It's about life together, all right? So the five love languages, what is it? It's not that there's maybe only five, but uh, as they did some evaluation, they found these five broad categories to be pretty common. Here's the five categories. Some people feel most loved when you spend time with them. Time. In fact, if you're not a time person, you would say inordinate amounts of time with them. Okay? They love spending time together. Time. Another one is touch. This is not sexual touch. This is just touch. Holding hands or bumping into or rubbing a back or whatever. Some kind of physical touch that says, I'm there with you. Words of affirmation. That's the third one. This is encouragement. Way to go. That was awesome. 
You're unbelievable. Man, when you did that, I'm telling you, I saw that child light up. I saw that person light up. It's encouraging them and where they're at. Gifts. This is not, I gave them a Lexus. I said that because we have a little Lexus sign on the way up from the escalators. Did you see that? Yeah. This is, I, I, I thought of you this morning as I was walking through the airport, and so I bought this thimble because I know you're a thimble collector, or I bought this T-shirt because I know you'd want me to give you a T-shirt that says I wasn't in New York and I got this lousy T-shirt, right? I, like, I thought of you, and so I, it's small in expenditure, but it's big in that you were being thought of. Gifts. Services is the last one. Like, I thought of you so much that you weren't even here, and I did this for you. Like, I know you needed the lawn mowed, so I came over and mowed your lawn. I know you needed the house dusted, so I dusted for you, hon. I know you needed your bed made, and so I went in and made your bed. I know that you needed help with something in school, and so I sat down with you at the library and helped go through that problem with you and made sure you, right? It's services, spending time outside of being prepared for and then helping them in the midst. Time, touch, words, gifts, services. Take a moment and just think about which one are you top. Which one triggers your switch the most? Time? Touch? Words? Gifts? Services? Okay. Our goal is to figure out the person next to us that we're trying to care for. Like, what do they need in the moment? Where are they at? They might have a physical need, you know? Like, they're, they're really, they're coming up short in something and they need help. Maybe it's food, something on the table. Maybe it's that they're sick and they need help getting something made and dropping off a meal at their house is great, okay? That is not the moment to say, what's your love language? Touch? Well, then I guess I'll just come over and I'll play with your hair a little bit. Like, like, let's be real about what's really going on in their life and let's help that, okay? Let's touch the physical need. Let's get to where the real need is at and get there with it quickly, okay? Being a part of that. Really getting practical with how we're going to care for them. But if there's not any pressing need, it can also be a great time to just spend time with them and let them know you care about them, that you love them. In our family, we have very different personalities, and uh, so my top love language is probably services and time. They're kind of mixed together. I love to spend time together with people, and I love to also do things for them. And quite frankly, I feel very loved when something gets done around the house and I wasn't able to get home, and I get home, and it's already done, and I don't have to get at it. Like, that's very helpful and a very appreciative. And so I'm services, okay? On the other side of the fence, my wife is more time and touch. My daughter, Megan, is more time and touch. So yesterday morning, we went out to go deer hunting, youth deer hunt. We're sitting in a deer stand, blaze orange, 6 a.m. We're leaning up against the tree, and Megan is leaning over and saying, How are you, Dad? For the next six hours. <laughs> it was just chatting a little bit here and there and spending time, and she's always leaning up against me, and every time she bumped me, I thought she's saying, I think I see a deer over here. And I'm like, oh. And she's like, I was just saying Hi. Differences in languages as you communicate, but I'm telling you, that time together was a precious Megan time for me to have some time with her up in a tree. So dads, go climb a tree with your kids. I don't know. It worked out really well for us to just have a great time. By the way, we did not get a deer. That'll be the next question you ask. We didn't get to even see a deer that morning, but uh, that's fine. We got some great time together. And as you work to try to figure out who am I going to try to love here, now how can I go about doing that? What means a lot to them? Do you hear it? It's not what means a lot to me. It's what means a lot to them. And let's go care for them. Let's reach out 
Let's be practical. Let's literally say, Lord, you poured into me. May I pour into them. It can be at the smallest of levels or at the deepest and biggest of levels. Let's really check out who God's brought in our life and let's care for him. All right? So I'm going to ask you this question. What's your love plan? Make a love plan each week. Like, Lord, who? And what? And then go after it. So let's start right now. So who? Who should I be going after, Lord? Give me even just one name. Think of a name. Okay? Now what? What could I be doing to reach out to that person to let them know that I care about them? That I love them? How could I be reaching out? Make a decision, because I'm telling you, without a decision, you're like, that's a great idea. And then you just go watch some football games and you forget about it. Let's get real on it, okay? Get a love plan. Who am I going to care for and how am I going to care for them? Let's get practical. The outpouring of Jesus Christ in our life, the evidence is caring for one another. All right? Second, sacrifice and share willingly. Sacrifice and share willingly. Verse 16. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. All right, he's up in the ante here. Are you hearing it? By this we know love. Not by this we know about love, but by this we know love. You can experience it firsthand. Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you and your life, pouring into you, making his replacement payment available for you, It says here that he laid down his life for us. We're talking nailed to a cross, whipped, mocked, the very life strained out of him physically. The king of the universe did that for you and for me. He laid down his life for us. We may know love. As we spend time with him. It says by this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. It's John 13, 34 again, right? It's, hey, you've seen me loving you. Go and do likewise. Like as I'm pouring into you, make sure of this. That first you have your vertical relationship. And you're getting all fired up with me. And you're totally grasping who I am. And you're getting where we're going. And then just say, now who, Lord? Who do you want touched around this place? I mean, I'm just going to ask you a quick five-second question. Not that I have the deep answer to this, but from the moment we trust in Christ, why not just suck us up to heaven? I trust in you, Lord. Bang. It'd be kind of clear when you trust. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, there wouldn't be a lack of clarity there. And, and why not? I mean, it puts us into perfection immediately. And, well, I'll tell you, I think he's got a plan for growing us along the way, for sanctifying us. And for having us work with one another in growing us together towards him. For some reason, he's chosen to work through us. Can you imagine how complex that is? Isn't it good that he's like all powerful? He's working through you and me to get the point across. Right? Instead of saying, I've got this, just sit down, check this one out. And then he does something, you're like, that was love, you know? He's saying, now your turn. And then it's our chance to step up and care. As we show what we're learning of him. As we reflect his glory in this world. That's what we're called to be about. Amen. Amen. 
Meet him, know him, be rocked by him, and then share him with others. That's what it's going to look like. All right? May we know him powerfully. May it change our lives forever. He says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Bottom line, you've got some physical wealth and you know of somebody who has some physical needs and you're not going to go help? Huh? That's what John's saying. Like, huh? I don't get that. Go ahead and say it with me. Just say, huh? Huh? Like, that's what you need to be saying. Uh, why am I not caring for somebody who's got a physical need when I've got exactly what they would need to be able to be taken care of? Huh? Well, how is that the love of God? Now, hear me on this. You want to balance the topic of help, okay? And so, for all the mercy hearts in here, like your first answer is, yes! Get in there and take care of every physical need, okay? And so the risk of being overly merciful is we literally become enabling, okay? There is a point where the place that they're in situationally is a circumstance, a consequence of some sin being had in their life. And so let's be wise to what the most loving help is. And so sometimes it really is that consequence you're in, we're going to help walk through that with you. You will absolutely have the bare essentials, the food, shelter, clothing. We're going to care for you. But at the same time, we're not just going to ignore that sin got you here and we're going to get through that too. You hear me? That's much more complex than just throw some money at them or just throw some food at them or just, right? Right? Right. Okay. So it's not an easy decision, but it's a necessary, we need to be involved. And I'm telling you, most of the time, it's just plug in. Let's be caring for and reaching out to those we see in need. All right? Talk to your small group leaders. Talk to pastors. Talk to elders to get some wisdom on how they should be cared for. But care. How dare us have what they need and just watch them struggle. James chapter 2, right? We say, God be with you. And then we depart in peace. But we've left them without peace. May we be careful that we're actually following through. It says, if we close our heart against him. Are you hearing that? That's a pretty strong statement. John's like, I'm watching your actions. They're a follow-through of your heart. And if I'm watching you try to diss on people and leave them, I'm a little worried about what's going on inside. I think you've closed your heart. That's not what God does. Let's look out for those needs around us and let's care for them with all we've got. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let's let our love be on our hands Let's let it be in complete alignment with the character of God in truth. May we be reaching out and caring for those around us. Who do we know that are wrestling with physical needs and struggles, emotional needs, spiritual needs, where we can reach in and be a part of them coming along in their walk with Christ? What a great privilege we have to see a need and fill a need. That's the battle cry. See a need, fill a need. Okay? Let's go after that with all we've got. Let me just give a couple of examples of what's going on around this place. Um, we started up a mentoring thing about three or four weeks ago where we jumped in with Liz Ozag and the schools here in East Peoria and we asked for people who were interested midweek, hear me midweek, Monday through Friday, during the afternoon hour, like around the lunch hour, getting together with that mid-grade ages and like third, fourth, fifth grade ages and just spending time with them. 
And, and just doing it like a half hour at a time, spending some mentoring. You might be tutoring. You might just be laughing with them. You might be going out and playing some games with them. It's whatever. And, and so here's what happened. We got 31 people who said, I'm willing to do that. And we put them together in the East Peoria school districts, and they're spending time with these kids. And so here's what happens next. 20 more kids have come up to Liz and said, can I please have an application? I want one of those. That's what's going on right now. A need of kids being cared for and a lot of them in broken families and just reaching out and caring for them. And hear me, guys, if you've got some open time between noon and one, sign up. This is a great way to care and reach out and help make an impact in a life. That's just the mentoring program. Awana. We've had a ton going on with Awana. Did you know we had like 80-some kids that are signed up this year? Spilling at the seams. It's awesome to see what's going on as the kids are growing to be more like Christ. And be great to have some leaders helping out in there too. I mean, they're doing great with the leadership they've got. And the more kids that come, the more we can put people with them. How about helping out with some kids? Or higher ground on Sunday mornings. You know we're up over 340 kids when you count the adult leadership with them. It's a massive number of kids on a Sunday morning being cared for. And what's God calling you to do and where? And, and hear me on this. Balance in, the, in your complete discipleship. Worship, walk, work, and witness. Don't just go running at one thing and blow off the rest. Okay? And so if you're going to get out into the community, that's awesome. And still be a part of serving in your church. And, and don't drop the small group and don't drop Sunday morning worship. And let's balance where we're at. Be wise about what you're doing. Don't just go inordinately huge in one area and blow yourself up or your family up. But what's God calling you to do? And know this. God is huge. So he's calling you to do a piece. He's got the whole covered. So let's just see who he's calling us to be with. Who's he calling us to impact? And let's get there and make that impact. Amen? Amen. All right. Caring for each other. It's huge. Take some sacrifice and some sharing willingly. And the third step, believe on the name of Jesus and truly love others. Believe on the name of Jesus and truly love others. I love that John turns the corner and comes back to this. He does not just go running off into the, here's what love looks like, here's what I want you to do, here's the 16 ways to help someone. He keeps coming back to, it better be about your walk with Jesus Christ. So he says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. Remember I said we'd come back to this? By this we shall know, K-N-O-W, and be reassured John's huge on this. The gospel of John, he actually says in John 20, like, this is what it's all about, that you might believe on the name of Jesus. That's what the gospel of John is written for, that you might believe. That's why all those miracles, and that's why all the metaphors and the understandings of him from different angles, and that you might believe. And he's saying here, same thing, I want you to know, to be confident that you are of the truth, and reassure your hearts before him. I want you to feel comfortable with your run with him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. i got to tell you, this phrase can be a little confusing. And I had to spend a little bit of time on it. Which way is he going with it? What does he really mean by it? When our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And this is the best way to understand it, is look at the next phrase. He says, when our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. He's saying, look, there's times where we can actually have a sense of, I feel like I'm really walking right with the Lord. 
I feel like some things are going in the right way and the challenges he's giving me, I'm not perfect in them and, and yet I'm coming back and I'm confessing and I'm running with him and I feel like I'm seeing some growth in my life and it's by no means perfection, right? First John 1 8. We're not going to say we're without sin. We're, we're growing though. We're seeing progression and it's really coming together. Like I get it. And, and as we're seeing that, we can have this strong reassurance of our salvation. And yet there's times where we're walking through life and we've sort of stopped on that progression. And we're sort of going, I don't know, man. I don't even know where I stand with God. I'm not sure where I stand with this whole Christian walk thing. And all of a sudden we're doubting who he is, what his plan is, where I even stand with it. He's saying, watch out. Be careful of what your heart says. You know, Jeremiah 17 says that our heart is actually not to be trusted at all. Did you know that? That we have to be very careful. Our heart is deceitful above all things. And so watch out. If it's screaming at us, sometimes we have to listen to it and sometimes we have to teach it and get it in line. And so what's really going on? He's saying, be careful. God is greater than your heart. He's saying this. I copied this phrase off from from John MacArthur. He said, we are in a higher court than the human heart. That higher court is God Almighty. In fact, when God declares you righteous, you are, with an exclamation point. See, I love that phrase. When God declares us righteous, we are. May we never stand up against God and say, well, you declared it, but I'm not feeling it today, Lord. Right? May we literally say, the feeling it needs to be put aside, because you're greater. Like, I'm grasping who you are, God, and you've got authority in my life, and I'm claiming the truth of your word, and I'm going to run with you in utter dependence upon you. Lord, I'm not earning my way. It's you and your unbelievable gift. You've got my attention. God is greater. Amen? Amen. That's what we have to be hearing in this passage. It's big. He says... That when our heart condemns us, God is greater. There are times where we're going to be doubting and questioning. God will absolutely be turning that ship around. Give him some time. He knows everything. Wow. That's a lot. I love that he throws that in there. He knows everything. Have you ever had those conversations where you're talking with somebody, you're sitting at McDonald's or whatever, some light little fluffy meal, and all of a sudden somebody just throws out something that could be just blown off, but it has absolute import to your life. For you, know this. God knows everything about what's going on in your life. He knows everything about how this world is structured. He knows every ounce of pain that you're going through. He knows every ounce of struggle. He knows every celebration. He knows every need you have. And he is absolutely right there with you. God knows everything. Amen? Amen. May he be our higher court as we lean on him for reassurance. The reassurance is not with our feelings. It's with our king and his truth. That's where we find it. It says that whenever we ask, whatever we ask, we receive from him. This is a huge statement. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. You want to see some confidence being built in your life? Spend some time with Christ, and then start praying for some things and start seeing the answers of yes, and yes, and yes. 
It just starts building a fire in you that you're running in the direction he is. Now hear me, this is not what this means. Pray so that when you get a lot of yeses and you're getting your way on things, and now you're able to live this really self-absorbed life where God keeps giving you everything you want, then you'll be really confident that God's like your magic genie. Like that's not what's being said here. And yet somehow, that's exactly how we live it. We get up in the morning and the first thing we start praying is what I want and what I think and what I feel and what moves me and what I would like and why not this, Lord? And and we start petitioning the very throne room of the Almighty who knows everything, saying, give me what I want. Man, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is not the manipulator to get it to go your way. Prayer is, Lord, I'm in abidance with you. I'm hearing from you. I'm moving with you. I'm seeing you move here, and it matters to me. And as you move there, Lord, may you do this. And God's like, oh, exactly, that's where I'm going. When you're abiding with him, your prayer is in lockstep with him. And the more we're praying and not getting, the more we're beginning to say, I'm with you, but I want this. Do you hear me? And there's times where the stuff we are praying for is so Godly, in one sense, we're praying for the healing of someone or we're praying for the salvation of someone or we're praying for the insight for someone to get or discernment for them to get. And God's like, yes, I hear you. That's such a great thing. But I also have this other thing I'm doing. Work with me on it. See my hand in it. Come with me on it. Is that not the hardest abiding there is? Is when the stuff we're praying for that's very biblical and godly and yet in God's time... It's not the time. You want to challenge your abiding with him? That's where it's at. And John's saying, I'm telling you, the most reassuring thing you can have is when you're getting the yeses. You're getting absolutely, I'm I'm right there. And and something's happening and it goes just the way you want. And and the next thing, and you're like, this is unbelievable. As I'm running with you and seeing you move and I'm praying and it's happening. And what a great reassurance. Man, I pray that you get that exciting experience. Of abiding with him so closely that your prayers are literally his prayers. And you're getting the yes because you're seeing right where his hand is moving in the timing that it's going to move. That's what John's saying. He says, and this is his command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. May we lift his name up. May this body be known for saying, I believe in the name of the Son of of God Almighty. His name is Jesus Christ. I believe in the name of Jesus. I'm putting my heart and soul's trust in Him. I'm running with Him. May that be our battle cry day and night. Amen? That's what we need to be about. You and me running hard with Him, believing in His name. Oh yeah, and loving one another. Abutted side by side. Top way you can love someone. Being ready to share your faith. How God's moving you with somebody else. We call that boldly, sharing boldly, right? And we say this, bold, it doesn't mean being a jerk. It doesn't mean being offensive. It means being vulnerable. Being willing to share how God's moving in you with someone else. Breaking down that ice barrier. Being willing to take time in a, in a unique setting, wherever it is, where you say... Can I just share a little bit about how God's rocking my world? And go through it with them and let them hear. As you share, God uses that to bring people to him. Did you know that? You can literally be celebrating him 
as you just talk to someone else. And it's not about, I want here and now to be the time you come to know him. So I am not letting you go until you say, fine, uncle. Like, I'm going to press on you until I hear, Jesus, forgive me. And if I don't hear that, I'm not letting... That's not what we're talking about. That's called manipulation and control. That's your timing. It's, Lord, help me to be faithful to the truth of who you are. And I'm just going to pray over time and watch you move. Because it is a divine thing for people to truly begin to trust in him. Watch God work as you get to be a part of that, sharing your faith, okay? What an awesome privilege of those two coming together. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given. You and I literally have the privilege of confidence through the Holy Spirit teaching us and shaping us and training us of convicting us of sin and righteousness and judgment, of helping us to understand his word, of moving in our lives. Lord, may we know you richly and deeply, and may this church be on fire for you. What I love about this place is that y'all are going hard after Jesus Christ, that we have testimonies of God moving in their lives, of people sharing with them, of them coming to know him, that they believe in the name of the Son, and that they're loving one another. That's a powerful time of testimony, isn't it? A couple weeks back, we talked about baptisms. We had a baptism Sunday, and we had some of that going on. Larry's pulled together a a series of videos from that morning. Let's just see how God's moving as this body believes in the name of Jesus and how people can share to make an impact. God is at work in this place, Amen? amen? We have something to celebrate. We have a God who in every way, shape, and form could have just walked away. And he said, not on your life. I'm here for you, and I'm here with you for all eternity. That's the God we're running to with all we have. Amen? May we believe on the name of the Son. And may we literally absolutely grasp and abide his love in his love like never before i'm telling you it will rock your world and in the midst of that just take some time to share with those around you it will unbelievably change your life your family's life you will begin to grasp with an assurance and a reassurance why you're here god what do you want done and what can i do for your glory That's what it's all about. May we love him. May we glorify him. May we always say, Lord, it's all about you. You are my king. Let's pray.